Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Crystal Silence League Hour, live from Divine Harmony Spiritual Church in Knoxville, Tennessee, on the LMC Radio Network, a show dedicated to open-minded discussion of spirituality, new thought, prayer, and the practical use of crystals. And now, your host, the Reverend John St. Germain. Again, it's uh, the jovial Reverend John St. Germain. I'm feeling jovial today. You know, we have uh, spring just itching to become, isn't uh, Sunday the equinox? Um, today is uh, March 16th. Is the equinox just around the corner? Doesn't mean it's really spring. You know, in uh, East Tennessee, we have uh, we have like 10, 10 to 12 different seasons. Um, um, we'll, we'll have a uh, Kind of a fake spring, a lingering winter, blackberry um, winter, um, uh, blueberry uh, spring, uh, Native American spring, um, repeat winter. It's like that movie Groundhog Day um, where you just relive the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. we have um, um, uh, there's dogwood winter. Um, I can't even remember them all, but we have um, <laughs> we we have uh, uh, some like ten different seasons between um, uh, what normally would be winter and spring. We have we have ten different uh, reiterations of uh, seasons. It's the gods of winter and spring fight for possession of the earth and uh we mortals suffer the uh, one one day you're uh, shivering uh with 10 layers of clothes and then the next day you're laying on your roof uh getting a sun suntan that's just life in east tennessee praying for relief every day praying for relief from the uh, blistering heat or the frig- freezing cold. You have frostbite one day and sunburn the next. Uh, you have to keep a variety of lotion, lotions and unguents handy <laughs> in your medicine cabinet. But uh, there, there are dandelions in my yard, dandelions in my yard, and freezing rain today. Freezing rain and dandelions. So push on, little soldiers. Push on, little soldiers. Uh, some... Uh, Tulips are trying to bloom. Uh, brave little things, brave little soldiers pushing on. Dandelions are the uh, uh, the next life on Earth. When man when man comes uh, blown off the Earth, when when human beings are extinct, dandelions will pull their roots from the ground, raise their uh, brave faces to the sun, and say. We are the next superior species on this planet. They say cockroaches will, but I believe it will be dandelions. They, they will strut in supremacy on the skin of the earth after man has destroyed himself, probably through fast food, potato chips, and uh, tacos. That will be the end of man. They say a nuclear war. I think it's going to be, it's going to be uh, uh, potato chips and uh, um, creamy, uh, cream-filled Twinkies. That's going to be the extinction of humanity. Uh, Tony I says, Reverend Tony I says, cats will take over. That's probably right. Cats have already taken over. What are you talking about? They've already taken over. Uh, my cat Figaro has taken over all my chairs. My office chair, there he is. My uh, my lounge chair, there he is. And my uh, recliner outside in the yard, there he is. He's taken over all my chairs. He's already taken over. He, he is he is king of everything he, he surveys. He even t- took over my neighbor's house. He goes to my next door neighbor and uh, goes in and uh, begs food, and they feed him tuna. And then he comes over here and eats. It's uh, it's incredible. That cat does whatever he he wishes, anything he wishes. That cat does. That cat Figaro. 
this is the Crystal Silence League, uh, sometimes sometimes called the the Cat Fanciers uh, Digest. Um, and uh, Crystal Silence League was founded originally around 1917 by Mr. Claude Alexander Conlon for the purpose of uh, fancying in cats and uh, uh, distributing positive uh, prayer and affirm. Did, did Claude Conlon uh, uh, like cats? I suspect he probably did. I suspect he did. Um, he sure liked crystals. He uh, uh, projected positive prayer and affirmation through the use of crystals and crystal balls for all the dedicants of the Crystal Silence League. And when he passed into the silence, he took the league with him until around 2007 or so when dedicants and adepts of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches resurrected it and reinitiated it cybernetically. And now you can find us at www.crystalsilenceleague.org and find many, many um, cool things there, resources, that's the word I'm looking for, resources. I'm a little punchy today. Many things have happened today. I've had lots of stuff come at me from different directions, but I'm trying to talk my way into solidarity and groundedness. Um, I should, uh, here's a stone on my desk. What is this? Oh, it's a bood stone, in fact, a bood stone. Um, Because I keep this near my Buddhism books, it's a bood stone. which is kind of a dark green stone with a little red flex in it, and uh, I should uh, manipulate and fondle that stone to gain my grounding. There we go. And uh, uh, anyway, 40, 40, 11 different things have come at me today. I'm a little bit scattered, and they're all uh, dancing in my mind like visions of sugar plums. Um, uh, the uh, crystalsilenceleague.org, uh, where we have many resources. We have uh, archives of a newsletter that I used to edit, and we have um, a prayer service, and we have a gift shop where you can buy books and crystals and uh, gain membership therefrom. There, there uh, lots of different things, and tonight we're going to talk about all sorts of stuff. Um, let me uh, let me get a little drink of water as we move into our uh, next uh next phase of this uh, uh, multitudinous adventure. And now we'll pause for station identification. Uh, No, we won't. That's the wrong clip. This is the one right here. And now it's time for our Crystal of the Week. This week we're talking about uh, manganocalcite, which is a uh, uh, an interesting pink stone. And uh, when you get them polished, you might think they're rose quartz, but they're not. They're, um, manganocalcite grows in clusters, and uh, if you saw it in cluster, you would never mistake it. It's it's very uh, prickly. It's uh, got prickles in different directions, and um, it's also a lot more expensive than rose quartz too. It's it's one of the more expensive stones. Manganocalcite. Um, uh, it's a very interesting stone. I, I guess kind of in a semi-polished form, it could be mistaken for rose quartz. Uh, but it's usually more pale than rose quartz. Uh, <clears throat> and it's a, um, it, it's a stone that is uh, very valued uh, by energy healers. Um, um, it, it, can, it can help people... Uh, gain acceptance of difficult situations, uh, especially if you're overburdened by um, uh, a series of events that have just become too too difficult to handle. These are, these are good stones to use when contemplating uh, these events and gaining an acceptance of the difficulties. Um, it can help uh, promote a sort of inner peace, uh, uh, the, uh, finding the, uh, the center uh, finding in all the, the most difficult circumstances, there, there are joyousness. Um, there's joys. There, there's love. You can find compassion for some of the people that are in the situation, and even some of the people that may be contributing to the situation. And um, uh, how to find time to, to heal in difficult situations. Um, uh, a way to maybe seek uh, a through path through the situations, to find some way to harmonize uh, the situations and uh, 
uh, find a way to help rejuvenate yourself. The um, uh, many times uh, people who are called to serve or who are naturally giving nature will uh, give too much of themselves. Uh, they give their lives to other people in bits and pieces without sectioning off the part of their heart for themselves. They're very compassionate in giving to everyone except themselves. And when they do uh, do something for themselves or give time for themselves, they feel guilty because they think, well, instead of doing this for me, I could be doing this for some other people. And um, sometimes it's very hard for someone who spent their entire life in the service of others to do this, to say, well, you know, what about me? And that very phrase, what about me, um, uh, sometimes seems appalling to some people. And sometimes mangano calcite can help a person do that very thing, section off just a sliver of their own heart and uh, their own compassion for themselves, which is a very necessary thing. And I'll tell you that there is a saying of the Buddha, and uh, uh, I've been trying to find it, but I'll, I'll tell you that uh, the Buddha, the Buddhist uh, suttas um, in literature, the, the basic literature takes up seven feet of bookshelves. The Buddhist Bible takes up seven feet of bookshelves. So finding a single passage is sometimes uh, uh, literally finding a needle in a haystack. But I do remember it where Buddha said you can search the universe over and not find any one individual more worthy of your compassion than yourself. That doesn't mean you set yourself above others, but uh, no one is more worthy of your compassion than yourself. All the compassion you're showing other people, uh, you should also show yourself. This means everyone, all, all sentient beings are worthy of compassion, including you. you. You don't sacrifice yourself. You don't exclude yourself from the compassion you're showing everyone else. And uh, manganocalcite sometimes help, helps that. And um, um, the, uh, sometimes it's necessary to reboot your heart, to uh, um, undo some of the lessons that we may have been taught, um, uh, sometimes by well-meaning people, but maybe misled people that think that sacrifice is necessary um, in love. Um, that, that's all. That's all I'm going to say about it, and we'll go to some other uh, part of our uh, ministry here. But um, it's just something to think about. Uh, it's a very powerful stone, manganocalcite, uh, able to, uh, along with uh, meditation, thinking, uh, maybe some counseling or therapy, to affect tremendous transformation and uh, uh, when when uh, an individual is ready for um, such transformation, um, maybe a good adjunct to have in the toolkit, and uh, that's uh, something to think about. Just something to think about. Well, what is next on our agenda? What is next on our agenda? The time approaches for our weekly prayer service. If you are so inclined, join us at crystalsilenceleague.org to see this week's prayer request. Well, I'll tell you, the reverend looking in his crystal ball knows what everybody's praying for, and that's to get that stimulus check in the bank or in the mail. That's what everybody's praying for. And uh, you know, may may spirit bless you. May you may you be getting those checks soon if you haven't already. I looked on the uh, um, the IRS website. You know, there's a website you can go to, and it'll tell you when you're getting yours. You type in all your information. Don't go to a scam website and give them your information. It's it's on the IRS.gov website. Make sure that's the one you're going to, and not myscam.org uh, um, or something. And uh, but you can find it. Mine's, mine's coming in Thursday, direct deposit to my bank, and uh, I'll be using it to uh, get a tree cut down. But uh, anyway, um, but uh, I'll tell you everybody's doing that because our first prayer, number 103035, says general prayer request next stimulus check. 
and the prayer is, I humbly ask the gods, may they send me a stimulus check this next round, and may it be for the full amount I'm entitled to, and may with it, may I be able to move forward with goal of saving sort of new housing for my family, and if lucky, be able to pull off with help from Groupon a one-day vacation for us to Bush Gardens, so it'll be a great experience and birthday gift to my mother. So I ask that my prayers be answered soon and that others in my situation be granted theirs as well. So mote it be and amen. And prayer, that's right off the bat there too, man. Prayer ID 103034. I pray that spirit softens the hearts and minds of all those deciding on my appeal. May I be shown favor and granted victory. In his name I declare it. Amen. And prayer ID 103032, I'm almost broke with a rapidly declining bank balance. I've become old, and now at this age, I can't work like a slave and earn money. The only hope I have is the sale of a piece of land I'm planning to sell, and I pray God to direct a good buyer as soon as possible. Please consider this as an urgent requirement, as I cannot imagine living at the mercy of others with no freedom since a long time. Please pray for me. God, shower your blessings on me. Thank you all so very much, and please pray. Amen. And prayer ID 103031. Who says, My loved one is suffering from physical illness, anxiety, and depression. A good girl and all friends deserted her. Now she feels lonely and sad. I pray God Almighty to heal her mind and body as soon as possible so that she can live normally. We are terribly upset with her plight that has been going on since five years despite treatment. Her health is a great concern, and without her happiness, we feel empty in life. Please have mercy, God. Perform a miracle. Thanks all. Amen. And this is prayer ID 103030. And it's, I pray, my daughter Rebecca comes home now. She ran away from home on Thursday. Police won't help because she's legally 19. She puts herself in danger and others too because she doesn't understand the implications of her actions or words. Society tells her she's of legal age and autonomous, but she's not, and influenced by borderline friends and her two drug addict brothers living in our bachelor apartment. Apparently, she's 19 years old, but 12 to 13 years old mind. Um, that can't do anything with their lives. She's in deep danger. Amen. And prayer ID 103029, who says, please pray for me and Tony. Oh, oh, me and T. We're not together right now, and I'm so sad. Please pray that he will return immediately and never leave my sight again. Please also pray we'll be engaged in the next 21 days. Amen. And prayer ID 103028, as memories and regrets flood back to me, I can't help but just wish I was dead. Now, that's not good. That's not good. I have physical pain from this regret, and it haunts my psyche. At present, I'm not able to give back or be of service because of the crippling pain and regret. I've shut down, I guess, to process these emotions, but it's extremely hard on my loved ones, and I just don't want to be here. I feel like I'm just waiting to die. I guess um, this is depression, and uh, we sh we pray for a lifting of spirits. Prayer ID 103026. There's been a lot of heavy traffic, and I've been having a lot of different dreams. Please lift this apartment complex in prayer, very dark activity. Um, please pray with me. I've been praying around the clock. Amen. Prayer ID 103023 wants powerful curse breaking by the word and power of God. Break all curses, especially on items and objects. Amen. And prayer ID 103022, praying that I will be healed of all female issues and swelling in my ankles. I also pray for healing of my neighbor of flu symptoms and that he may meet a partner to spend the remaining years with and for miracle healings for B and J. Thanks for praying. Praying your prayers are answered to. Let's just get a couple more. Um, and 
Oh my goodness gracious. Um, prayer ID 103011. Please join me in prayer that my dad is lining up with perfect health. Amen. Um, prayer ID 103009. I'm wanting a special prayer for myself in hopes of building my t-shirt business more and opening a small store. I would love to be able to find a small building that I can rent reasonably or buy a small shed for my yard where I can work out of it. That would like to be see more profit from my business and also save more money. Amen. And prayer ID 103004. I desperately need healing in mind, body, spirit. Thank you for praying for me. Amen. Prayer ID 103003. Foresee to know that I am the only woman for him, that I will not hurt or leave him. Thank you so much. This means the world to me. Okay. Um, 102999, subject of the prayer. My boyfriend will be traveling to West Africa on Wednesday. Please pray for safe travel and safe return. Thank you. And here's somebody who needs uh, prayer ID 102994. Dearest God, St. Dimphna, St. Philomena, and Jesus, I'm praying for a miracle. Please help heal the rift between myself and my daughter, A. Please help her recover from her eating disorder, body dysmorphia, ill health, addiction to exercise and cigarettes, and heal her physically and mentally. I pray that she stop resenting me and that she continues her therapy. Thank you. Amen. Let us have a moment of prayer and meditation for all those in need of comfort and support. And may everyone get their stimulus check expeditiously. We were talking, um, as I recall, about the um, the Paramitas, the perfections, the uh, the blessed lands, and um, we uh, left off on something like that, weren't we? Um, we um, um, in uh, some Buddhist schools, there's six, and some ten. Um, the uh, uh, the uh if you go to all there's generosity morality uh the renunciation of bad habits wisdom panya uh applied energy patience truthfulness determination goodwill meta um, uh and equanimity now um 
meta is especially important. And I, I don't know if I've ever um, um, on a show. Well, probably I have um, the uh, the meta suda, um, the Karayanya meta suda, um, which I used to recite daily in meditation to myself, uh, both in Pali and English, um, and it is from. Um, uh, the um, middle length courses, this courses of the Buddha, and it's it's very respected and very important in Buddhist practice. Um, and it uh, it goes as follows. And this is um, something I've had on my wall, something I've had, I've carried it with me, and I used to recite this daily, and I still recite it periodically. Um, but it goes like this. This is from the. Um, um, it's called the, the Karnaya Metta Sutta, the Buddha's, the Buddha's words on loving kindness. And this is the essence of, of the teaching. And it is this. Um, this is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties, and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove, wishing. In gladness and in safety, may all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short, or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another, even as a mother protects with her life, her child, her only child. So with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings, radiating kindness over the entire world spreading upward to the skies and downward to the depths, outward and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will, whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. And this is the Karanaya Metasuda. I suggest to anybody wishing to have peace of mind that you find this. It's online. Um, it's online to find this and read it every day. Read it out loud every day, and it will change you. It will transform you. And I, I read it a lot. I mean, it's in my head. I mean, it's in my mind. I mean, for years I, I studied this. It's in my mind. And um, there's an exercise that um, uh, it's an old and classic exercise that goes hand in hand with this kind of practice. And um, it's, it's suggested you do it before you go to sleep. And um, it's as simple as this. Um, as I breathe in, I relax. As I breathe out, I smile. You know, as I breathe in, I relax. As I breathe out, I smile. And ten of these, it's impossible to hold on to anxiety. It's just impossible. And if you do this before you go to sleep and you just sit on the side of your bed and you do this ten times, as I breathe in, I relax. As I breathe out, I smile. And you read the, uh, the and integrate the Metta Sutta, um, you will understand what this is. This is said to be the sublime abiding. This becomes not just part of you. It becomes where you live. Your, mi your mind lives here. And, you know, it, it won't be perfect. We're, we're human beings. It won't be perfect. But this is where your mind prefers to be. This is uh, what they say is your happy place. This is where you prefer to be. And there will be things that may uh, pull you from this state. But this last 
paragraph. This is said to be the sublime abiding by not holding to fixed views. You know, by not having these fixed opinions about the way things are, the way things should be. Being freed from all sense desires, not being attached to things that you think might make you happy. One is not born again into this world. That's not just reincarnation. That means that you don't keep returning to this world thinking that this world is going to make you happy. And that's sort of the theme of what we're talking about. As it says in the scripture, um, this world is a veil of tears. This world is a valley of tears. Um, uh, Buddhism calls this world samsara, which means wandering. It means we wander, which we're restless. And that everything in the world is impermanent, subject to decay. And we're not going to find happiness here. And uh, you, you know, the Bible talks about the valley of tears, uh, the world and its sorrows that are felt through life. And um, I'm, I'm very pragmatic about it. I mean, I tell people that, you know, they, they call me, they tell me about how, Awful things are, and uh, I'm I'm very upfront. I don't sugarcoat things. I say, you know, no one ever said this world is going to be an easy place. It says in the uh, uh, Bhagavad Gita, this world is not for the uncertain person. It says the uncertain man, but you know, this world is not for the uncertain person, the, the uncertain man. And um, it also says that uh, hot and cold. Um, um, Hot and cold, um, happiness and sorrow, these are all the same things. And if you understand that, then um, uh, nothing, can, nothing can harm you. Hot and cold, happy, happiness and sorrow, these are all the same things. <clears throat> and if you understand that, nothing, nothing, they're just sense, sensory input. And if you understand that, nothing, nothing can hurt you. Um, nothing can harm you. And... If, if we do understand this, that you know, happiness, sorrow, pain and pleasure, hot and cold, they're they're all the same. You know, these are uh, things of the senses. This is the world. You know, this is the world, and that not, none of that is preferable over the other. Um, if if you truly get that, then the world has nothing that can hold you. And you rise above it into something else, and that that brings me to a topic that's that's of uh, immense importance uh, when we uh, look at spiritual input. And I was talking to someone about the Book of Revelation of Saint John the Divine, and you have to know something about the history of John. Um, some scholars think that he was John the uh, uh, the disciple of Jesus, John the Beloved, and that in his history he was he was um, uh, executed or attempted to be executed by the Romans, and they they boiled him in oil, and apparently he survived it, and so they um, exiled him to the island of Patmos, which was a slave labor island. That's where they had mines, and um, uh, apparently exile was a uh, a common punishment among the Romans. They just got you out of there, and depending on the island they sent you to, you were either uh, sent to an island where there was nothing, no food, and you died. Of starvation, or some of the islands had um, colonies, and apparently Patmos did have colonies, but also there were mines that you worked in, and uh, it wasn't certain that John was sent to the mines, but probably where he worked for a number of years, and he was blind and possibly from being boiled in oil, but he had these visions that are recorded in the book of Revelation, and some people take these visions literally. Um, uh, apocalypse is uh, currently understood to be end of the world, but apocalypse means uh, that which is revealed. It means revelation. And if you read it literally, it makes absolutely no sense at all, no sense at all. And uh, 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 many people who do read the Bible literally interpret this is a vision of the end of the world where all these uh, astonishing things happen. Beasts with three heads and stuff appear. makes no sense at all. But if you see it as a spiritual allegory, it makes a lot of sense. And we see it as an evolution. 
of mystical gnosis, um, a, um, uh, a revelation of, of someone who is undergoing a uh, spiritual ecstasy and is a form of teaching called skillful means. And we, um, we're looking at, first of all, John was not skillful in Greek, um, which it was written in. And there were words that were very problematical in the translation. And so we don't know exactly what he meant in some of the uh, translations. But what, what we do get is a, a vision of a spiritual gnosis, uh, uh, a moving from the material world to the spiritual world. And we're looking at teaching through skillful means. So language is inextricably uh, intrasamsaric. It's inextricably part of this imperfect world that is subject to decay and impermanent. Therefore, language can never describe anything um, extrasamsaric, right? It cannot describe nirvana. Language cannot describe nirvana, which is free of conditions. So the Buddha's reluctance to teach this vision of uh, nirvana is central to uh, his difficulty in just saying, okay, nirvana is this. <laughs> so if unliberated beings misunderstand everything that's said and reality is in any case space-like, you know, it's transparent, it's empty, so that it can't be just neatly um, – parceled up and analyzed, you know, like you can um, matter, right? Um, can the Buddha say anything meaningful at all? And See, that was the very essence of this. Can mysticism, can Gnosis, the act of uh, spiritual transformation, be described in any meaningful term? And so, but yet, if these great teachers say nothing, unliberated beings remain unliberated. We remain lumps of clay. So something has to be said. So Buddhist teaching and any kind of mystical teaching is transformation manifesting as information. And this is a rule that's very hard to explain. This is why we have things in Zen, you know, like what is the sound of one hand clapping? Um, um, does a dog have Buddha nature? And and a dog just said, no. Um, so Buddhist teaching in Sanskrit is called upaya kalshaya, skillful means or skill in means. And uh, uh, in Chinese, it's sometimes called uh, fangpin, appropriate method. That's the teaching itself is a tool. And the means by, whereby you teach is uh, infinitely flexible. And it's got to be applied appropriately. Now, since all beings are different, Different things must be said or done to help them. And this technique is compared to that of a skilled physician who diagnoses different diseases and prescribes different remedies. Now, non-Buddhist teachers, on the other hand, are compared to quacks who prescribe the same remedy for every disease. So the variety and even the logical incompatibility of Buddhist teachings is seen as a strength rather than a weakness. And this is why in that vast literature of the suttas, the Buddha is known to give different answers to the same question. And very logical and linear people say, well, these are, these are inconsistent. He gives different answers to the same question. It depends on the person. That's why it's Gnosis. So skillful means does not describe reality since that's impossible, but seeks to transform the mind of the suffering being so that it may itself come to see reality as it truly is. So that's why in Chinese, a Buddhist teaching, activity is called chua hua. The first character, character means teach, and the second means change or transform. So the compound mean, meaning is teaching so as to transform, or transforming by teaching, or teaching that is transformation. And so what appears to be philosophy in Buddhism is more like pedagogy. And so the unliberated being is regarded as a child or a fool. And because we can't teach children all at once everything that adults know, we tell them stories. And we sometimes even tell them white lies 
until their minds are mature enough to understand more. And although skillful means is practiced in all Buddhist traditions, it's particularly important in Mahayana, which teaches apparently contradictory doctrines at different times to different people. And the primordial story of skillful means is the parable of the burning house that you find in the Lotus Sutra. And man, is there a lot of debate about this. Is Was it you mean the Buddha told a lie? <laughs> okay, let's look into this. Um, and it is very noteworthy that this is a Mahayana Sutra, and you, we find nothing like this in Theravada, which is the school that I came up in, right? So in this parable, there's an old and very rich man who has three sons. Now, the Buddha is telling this to his uh, cousin, Ananda. He says, Ananda, dear Ananda. So he comes home one day, and he finds at his house which is uh, in need of repair, has caught fire. And he thinks about going into the house to gather his children up one by one and carrying them out. But on, on contemplation, he realizes that this will be difficult since the house is very large and there's only one small door. So he calls into them to leave the house at once, but the children are playing with their toys and can't understand what their father is worried about. So since he knows the children's preconceptions, whereby each child has his preferences, his feelings being specifically attached to his several precious toys and unusual playthings, and that's a quote, by the way. The father decides on a skillful means. So he tells each child that the specific toy that each child, that each one of them has always wanted are waiting for them outside the house. He says to the oldest one, you will get a goat cart, and to the middle child, you'll get a deer cart. And the third one, hey, you, you'll get an ox cart. So all at once, the children rush to the door, pushing and shoving each other in their race to be first. So when they're outside and safe, the father's happy, but the children are disappointed, right? There's, where are these carts, right? Where are these toys? There are, however, three huge and impressive carriages, bejeweled, tasseled, carpeted, and cushioned, surrounded by attendants and drawn by magnificent fleet-footed white oxen. This is what it says in the Sutta. These are for you, the father tells them, one each. And so the children happily mount them and forget about the little carts that they had imagined they would get. So now the Buddha says to Ananda, has the father tricked his children? Ananda's very puzzled. He, he wasn't bright. Ananda was not bright, but he had a great memory. He remembered everything the Buddha said. But Shariputra, who was second only to the Buddha, said, no, 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 said Shariputra. For the children have not only been rescued from death by the promise of the imaginary little carts, they've received a much larger vehicle. And this, remember this term, larger vehicle, because this is very important, a much larger vehicle than they have ever could have hoped for. It is as if we might say, you know, in modern terms, the children had asked for a scooter, a motorbike, and a small automobile, and each had been given a starship. So the Buddha then explained the meanings of this parable. The children are un unliberated beings. They're suffering in the burning, decrepit house of samsara, but they don't realize it because they're absorbed in their playthings. He who dies with the most toys wins. When the Buddha tells us directly about suffering, we don't understand him. He, he seems like a foolish old man who's worrying over nothing. So the Buddha tells us that there's even better toys somewhere outside of samsara. And as um, someone pointed out once, as the poet Rupert Brooke put it, and this is a great poem, you should look it up, concerning heaven as imagined by fish. Somewhere beyond both space and time is wetter water, slimier slime. And in that heaven of all their wish, there shall be no more land, say fish. And so when we imagine liberation, we think of it as containing something like the nice things we have now, only more so. Isn't that how people see heaven? It's like we are here now, but better. It's like, like life we have now, but better. But the things we have now are not nice. The things we have now are suffering. We just don't know it. We don't realize it. As the Four Noble Truths make very clear, liberation from suffering is truly unimaginable. We can't imagine it. We can't imagine what it's not like. We can't imagine what it's like to not suffer. And the only way I know how to put this to people is is a, a, a 
sometimes I, I get very hard about this. I say, I say you don't you want to be happy, but you don't know what happiness is. You, you've never been happy. You don't know what it is. And for most people, being happy is today I hurt a little less than yesterday, so I must be happy. We don't know what happiness is. And because liberation from suffering, we can't imagine it. But if it's imaginable, we'll imagine it as full of nothing, right? Um, the absence of all of our nice things because that's the limit of our present thought process. And our thoughts need to be transformed and enlarged and purified before they can make any sense of anything outside of samsara because everything we think of is conditioned by suffering. Everything we think of is the suffering is our yardstick. We either have more suffering or less suffering, but we can't imagine no suffering. And if we think there are really nicer things out there, uh, we have to be given what appears to be and really appears to be, or it won't work as skillful means, information that, in fact, is transformative. Now. And now we'll pause for station identification. Or will we? The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LeFay, Fridays, 1 to 2. And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 7 to 8. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And we're back, and we're back. So, expedient means. Um, it is a controversial. Uh, skillful means, expedient means. It's a controversial thing, um, controversial topic. Um, I, um, I'll tell you that I have used it. Um, I'll tell you it takes great discernment to know when to use it and when not to use it. Um, I'll tell you that I have gotten into a uh, serious disagreement with uh, a couple of my peers on the topic of um, – skillful means on expedient means, the um, subject being that uh, clients have requested one form of work and I've done a, another form of work for them because I felt that the form of work they requested was not in their best interests. Um, to give you an example, um, at one point there was uh, someone so filled with hate and rage they wanted to put a jinx on everybody basically in a 30-mile radius. And instead of doing that, I did a healing work for them. And, um, you know, they commissioned the jinx, and I did a healing work and didn't tell them. And the nature of that was to dis dissipate. Rather than doing a work that wouldn't have done anything, the, the jinx was not justified, and um, they would not be talked out of it. My intention was to heal them of that unjustified rage and bitterness and sense of uh, um, of um, uh, harm that uh, basically let it go let it go and uh, eventually they did they uh, they started to do work from a more loving form and um, when uh, I mean I talked about this to another client they said it was dishonest to take money for one work and do another and I said, but what is the greater good? And you know, tried to explain the expedient means. But this was a person who was very linear, um, very, very straight line, and didn't understand the idea of expedient means. And um, 
you know, as, as you hear this, you may have different opinions about whether or not this was the right thing to do, but um, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. I had lots of training um, in in this sort of thing. So we have this idea of um, the graded path, um, and um, um, and I'll tell you a. Um, one of the most influential texts to this was The Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment uh, of a teacher whose name was Atisha um, from the first century. And um, he says, one who by every means he finds seeks but the pleasures of samsara and cares but for himself alone, that one is known as the inferior person. One who puts life's pleasure behind and turns himself from deeds of sin, yet cares only about his own peace, that person should be called mediocre. Atisha was not one to pull punches. One who wholly seeks a complete end to the entire suffering of others because their suffering is his own, that person is a superior. And Atisha sees three sorts of people of differing abilities. The first is the unreflective hedonist who looks for happiness either in this life or by rebirth in one of the realms of the deities. In other words, he wants to die and go to heaven. This is someone who just lives a life in such a, uh, a way where uh, he skates along the surface and never looks at unpleasantries, and his idea is to die and go to heaven. Uh, such a person is hardly a serious Buddhist at all. And the second person understands about the limitations of samsara and seeks liberation from it, which is peace, which means nirvana, but doesn't work compassionately for the liberation of other beings. And this is what Atisha calls the hinyanist, the, the, the lesser vehicle. But this last person who sees all suffering, whether his own or others, as one, makes the bodhisattva vow and seeks to liberate all beings from samsara. And this is the mahayanist, the truly insightful and earnest practitioner. And this gets to the um, uh, the debate about the Hinyanis versus the Mahayanis, so, which is not a debate we're going to get into. Um, so um, uh, so based thus on Atisha, most Tibetan lineages arrange their teachings along a spectrum of increasing um, depth called Tegsum. The triple vehicle. You have the Hinyana is the practice of self-benefit, the Mahayana is the practice of other benefit, and the Vajrayana cuts off ordinary perception. That is, it allows you to see samsara itself as nirvana. In other words, all the poisons are actually liberation, and it is very deep and requires uh, uh, initiations into various levels of empowerment, um, the Kala Chakra uh, ceremonies, etc. Um, um, and um, uh, if you do decide to get into Vajrayana, um, uh, more power to you. It, it is a, a very deep, deep form of study. That's the esoteric uh, branch of Buddhism. So, um, Getting uh, into the um, the branches of that, um, oh, man, that's uh, hours and hours of discussion. But when the Buddha was asked his opinion on certain topics, he purposely made no intelligible reply. And these came to be known as the undecided topics, the avakata vachuni, and they are the universe is eternal, the universe is not eternal. The universe is spatially finite. The universe is spatially infinite. Mind and body are identical. Mind and body are different. After final nirvana, one continues to exist. After final nirvana, one is annihilated. After final nirvana, part of one continues to exist and part of one is annihilated. After final nirvana, one neither continues to exist nor is one annihilated. When asked these questions by, one imagines, uh, a genuine Inquirers who'd come to have their philosophical doubts laid to rest by someone who is supposed to be omniscient, like a Buddha, 
the Buddha would either remain completely silent or he would ask he would answer no pity and no pity means the question is incoherent or it can't come up like that it's not really a question or that's not a proper question and I use that quite a bit when people ask me a question and in, uh, in a reading like uh, uh, can you tell me what he's going to do and I'll say that's not a proper question. How how do you, how can I know what he's going to do when he doesn't know what he's going to do? You know, I'll, I'll say basically no petty. That's not a proper question. Uh, Buddha, and uh, when the inquirer would then observe that it appeared that the Buddha did not know the answer, and it would be better for him to be honest and say so, the Buddha would again respond with silence or with no petty. So the questioner, having gone away thoroughly frustrated, the disciples asked for an explanation. He told them that he would not elucidate metaphysical questions. He would only speak of suffering, its origin, its stopping, and the path to its stopping because this was helpful, whereas metaphysics was not. And men, I wish that 95% of the human race believe that, that understanding suffering is helpful, metaphysics is not. Well, we are down at the end now, and I guess we can pick it up again uh, next week. I am assuming uh, <laughs> next week we'll be here, uh, hopefully. And uh, as you always know, the Reverend loves you, and see you next week. And uh, uh, y'all hang in there. Those stimulus checks are coming, ain't they? So uh, love you. See you next week. This has been the Crystal Silence League Hour. Heard exclusively on the LMC Radio Network. Join us next time for spiritual fellowship and discussion of spirituality, prayer, and advice on the practical use of crystals. It's been 30 days since the county bought it up a window and took the kids away. A simple life disappeared on tiptoe. Talking to a man who reads tomorrow's past and present mysteries. He's an Eastern Cherokee, rich with family history. He shepherds the church of divine harmony, serving lost lambs of Knoxville, Tennessee. He faithfully prays with the crystal silence league. Reverend St. Germain operates a jacket beads at nightly hanging from a chain. He sealed his and wax and wound it tightly Sweet with white cologne Clearing paths of sandalwood and chicory Decorating homes With babies for strong instead of victory He shepherds the church of divine harmony Serving the lost lambs of Knoxville, Tennessee He faithfully prays with the crystal Silent League I'll tell it to you play We are in a difficult position Reverend St. Germain Gave me what we need for our condition Cinnamon and clothes And a sugar box Five finger grasses I keep it by the stove Sister and coffee Thicker than molasses The church of divine harmony Serving the lost lambs of Knoxville, Tennessee He faithfully prays with the crystal side
the Christ.